Welcome to the party, pal. The Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. That's right, live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning and welcome to the program. It is uh, Tuesday, which means it's uh, time for the deep dive. We're going to, we just start things off with a bang, just bang, because we can. And because we talk Brad into it, um, that's uh, that's what's going on. Uh, it is the weekly top three. Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets is about to join us and go over those big three things. Also, Chris Story, the man from Homer, will be joining us in hour two. But this time in the end of hour two, there's nothing worse than getting all wrapped up and, and, and spun up by Brad on something, getting a good rant on. Then having Chris soothe my nerves at the bottom of the second hour in the second segment, and then feeling a little lost in that third segment because I was on a good tear and a rant, but now I'm just so calm and I don't really want to go back to it. So now we're going to let Chris soothe us in the uh, end of the program on Tuesdays instead of the, uh, <clears throat> anyway, it'll be, uh, it'll be fun. That's an hour too. But today we're going to be talking about the Cook Inlet incentives and spending proposals to the political theater of Anwar. And some new charts and some other things that Brad's going to be uh, talking with us. So <clears throat> without further ado, let's just dive in. Let's just make it real. Uh, I mean, I made him get up a little bit earlier than usual. So let's just uh, let's take advantage of that and see if we can uh, get him. Although I think he's in a different time zone right now. So that's really not a fair comparison. So here we go. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Good morning, Brad. Hello, my friend. Hello. How are you? Michael, I'm doing great today, and I really wanted to make the first segment about um, bacon pancakes. Bacon pancakes, uh, I, making bacon I saw pancakes. Ter I saw Terry's post on bacon pancakes, and I just I I want to know more about those. Man, I got to tell you, she's like, I got this thing to do this thing. Do you want me? And I was like, yes, yes, bacon, <laughs> bacon pancakes. Um, yeah, I mean, she says the trick is to make sure that you pat all the grease off the bacon before you dip it in the batter. But yeah, <clears throat> I had bacon pancakes this weekend. It was delicious. I mean, it just doesn't get farm fresh eggs right out of the chicken and um, and some bacon, thick cut bacon and pancakes. Man, you couldn't ask for a better you know weekend meal. That was uh, and you didn't invite me. I know. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I did have leftovers the next day because she made some extra. So don't. Uh, and you don't, ate those. Didn't I you? ate those too and did not invite you to that too. It's the double whammy, Brad. It's the thought that counts. It's the thought that counts. Uh, all right. Well, yes, I love me some, you know, it was a, she'd never made these before in this way and they were, they were delicious. They were a lot of fun. So, um, yes, I saw that and I saw your comment and I knew you were bringing it up and now I'm hungry. Dang it. I hate that. But, um, all right, well, Brad, let's, let's dive into, uh, let's dive into the weekly top three and talk a little bit about this stuff. Um, I can see where all this is going. The 
incentives and the spendings and the plans and all the stuff that they've got going on out there. Everybody's got a plan for how to spend our money. Let's uh, let's start there this morning and get things uh, get things rolling. Well, Michael, we've been whacking on Democrats uh, for the past few shows about writing op-eds and making proposals for increased K through 12 spending um, and uh, and increased university spending and child government or state supported child care and all the other things. And we've always asked the question, who pays? I mean, you, you, you want to spend, got it, understand, understand your proposal, but who pays? And they, and they never talk about that. And, and, and we know who pays in the end. It's always, P additional PFD cuts will be will be who pays, and it'll be middle and lower income Alaska families who pay. Uh, only Alaska families, since we don't tax non-residents, uh, the only state in the union that doesn't tax non-residents. Um, it'll and and we know who it is. So we've been whacking on Democrats about that. Now it's now it's Republicans <laughs> Republicans turn in the in the in the bucket. There are several opinion pieces and articles that have come out in the last week. That, that, that shows that it's not just Democrats that want to spend and want to avoid the question of who pays. It's Republicans as well. Nat Hertz has a piece in the, in the Alaska Beacon uh, talking about various things, but one of them uh, is tax breaks uh, that could be in the works for Cook Inlet gas producers. Now, you and I talked about this a while back when we first started, when, when the Cook Inlet first started being a deal again and, and, and the shortfalls in the Cook Inlet concerns about Cook Inlet gas supply. And I said at the time, uh, and I've got the tape on this, if anybody wants to challenge me, I said at the time, just wait, somebody will be talking about government incentives for increased Cook Inlet production. And sure enough, uh, uh, Nat Hertz has an article uh, that, that encapsulates or reports on two sources of, of people talking about uh, uh, Cook Inlet gas credits, uh, credits, tax credits, uh, to Cook Inlet producers, one is Governor Dunleavy uh, as a, as part of the proposal uh, coming up as part of a proposal uh, coming up this this session. But the second was sort of surprising to me. Sutton Republican Representative George Rauscher will also file his own legislation to eliminate, not just reduce, but to eliminate taxes and royalty payments for Cook Inlet gas discoveries. He said in an interview. Rauscher is the vice chair of the House Resources Committee, which is jurisdiction over oil and gas policy. And he's also a member of the chamber's GOP-led majority. Now, I'm not going to argue yet about whether it's a good thing to, uh, to give these tax credits and, or, or in the case of Rauscher, elimination of royalty and taxes for new Cook Inlet gas production. We can argue, we'll, we'll argue about that in a subsequent show. But here's, here's my point about this. Who's going to pay? For those, for those elimination of tax credits, what are called tax expenditures, uh, the elimination of taxes on, on Cook Inlet gas, the elimination of tax and royalty on Cook, Cook Inlet gas. Who's going to pay? And Rauscher doesn't discuss that in the, in the interview with Knapp. It's nowhere to be found in the article. So we know, just like we know, when Democrats talk about increased K-12 through spending, increased university spending, uh, increased uh, uh, child care spending, we know exactly who's going to pay. It's going to be reduced PFD cut, reduced PFDs, additional PFD cuts in order to make up for the lost revenue that that won't be coming from the Cook Inlet as a result of of the elimination of of, 
of taxes and royalty, and in the case of the Dunleavy administration, uh, reductions in taxes and royalty. There is no way. I mean, <laughs> you, if you if you eliminate taxes and royalty, there's no way to make up for it from production, right? I mean, zero revenue equals zero revenue. <laughs> it so, doesn't matter how many times you multiply it; it's still zero, true. right? Exactly. Uh, and so and so there's going to there's going to be, but that's not that's not the end of it. it Chuck Cop, a Republican, still a Republican. Um, uh, writes an op-ed in the ADN about the Ambler Access Road Project is more than a road. And, and if you dig into Ambler, as, as we did in a, in a landmine column a few weeks ago, if you dig into Ambler, you figure out that there, isn't a, there aren't enough mines yet in Ambler. I mean, they hope to have mines, but there aren't enough mines yet in Ambler to pay for the expenses of the road, to pay for the bonds that, that ADA says they want to issue uh, to support the road. Uh, bondholders aren't going to buy bonds that aren't supported by revenues. There aren't enough mines yet. So again, who's going to pay for uh, the for the for at least the startup costs of the Ambler Road Project, if not the long-term costs of the, of the Ambler Road Project? And once again, uh, the who pays question isn't addressed at all uh, in, uh, in COP's uh, op-ed. It's just another, we want to spend on this stuff. And, and, and people say, oh, that's ADA. That's not government spending. Of course it's government spending. How do you think ADA gets financed? It's, it's through appropriations that come out of the capital budget to go over to ADA. And if ADA wasn't spending the money, the money would come back to the, to the, to the general budget through dividends from ADA. So, of course, it's, 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 it's uh, uh, government spending. And and once again, you know, we have we have Republicans pushing for this spending. Oh, this would be really good, but don't tax us for it. I mean, just take it out of PFD cuts. <laughs> and then and then the third. I mean, it just keeps going. Right. Just, just, all you have to do is the hits keep is, on a coming. Yeah. <laughs> all you have to do is read this stuff. Senator Jesse Borkman, uh, uh, newly elected uh, uh, senator, Republican senator from the Kenai. Um, uh, talking uh, to the Chambers of Commerce of uh, Kenai and Soldatna, as reported in the Peninsula Carol, as reported in the Peninsula Clarion. Workman said a meaningful increase to the amount of money Alaska school districts receive per student is more effective when it comes to educating students than one-time funding. We need money inside the foundation formula that school districts can count on to build up educational opportunities, to expand programs and opportunities for kids in schools, one-time money is spent a lot on one-time staff, and that's not the best way to educate kids and provide them opportunities. We need to increase the foundation formula. Once again, I'm not going to argue the merits of that. You know, we, we'll, we'll argue about that in a subsequent show. But who pays for that? Right. And, and once again, it's unaddressed. And once again, it is, uh, we're talking about, uh, uh, we're talking about uh, 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 additional PFD cuts. And finally, this didn't end. <laughs> finally, yesterday, Matt or Nat Hertz has another uh, article. This one is amid natural gas crunch, an Alaska utility asks to resurrect in-state gas pipeline. And this is an article about NSTAR asking to, to be permitted to take over the in-state Alaska, the Alaska-only uh, natural gas uh uh, pipeline, not the big pipeline, but right. a smaller pipeline that was once proposed. And and you go through the article and it says it's only feasible. Even John Sims, the president of NSTAR, even John Sims says it's only feasible through state subsidies. Who pays those subsidies? 
We know the answer to that. Right. So it it's not just Democrats that are coming up with these great spending ideas without addressing who pays. It's the Republicans as well. The problem is on both sides of the aisle. Right. And it, this is not a small, by the way, I just will make a point on this. This is not a small amount of money that Sims is talking about here on this pipeline. He's talking about an $8 billion grant. $8 billion is what he's talking about. Eight years worth of people's dividends going into this thing all by its lonesome. I mean, I understand that there would be payoffs to that, but $8 billion. It, it just, the stuff just, the hit, like I said, the hits just keep on coming on this. Well, there's, there's payoffs. I mean, there's payoffs to all this. People would argue there's payoffs to all this. Sure. Okay. You reduce the taxes on, on Cook Inlet. You may get, you may get more Cook Inlet gas. That'd be great for South Central. And Fairbanks, because we send up gas by wire, we send up electricity generated by gas. So Fairbanks and Anchorage would benefit from that. Sure, um, you know, the Ambler Road would be great for mines. Sure, additional K through 12 spending would be, might be good for kids. Sure, you know, $8 billion for, but who pays? That's, that's my point today. Nobody, not Democrats who, who we excoriate on this, on this program, time and time again, justifiably so, for their proposals to spend without addressing who pays. Not Democrats, not Republicans. It's just everybody wants to, oh my gosh, there's 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 fair PFD money out there that hasn't yeah, been no. hasn't been appropriated. Oh. Let's just go take that. Well wait, that was the comment from that was a comment from Bjorkman where he's like, uh, the budget document passed this year, Bjorkman said, provides fiscal stability for Alaska by not implementing a broad-based tax and not increasing taxes on the industry. The document gives Alaskans a $1,300 permanent fund dividend and leaves the state with a $375 million surplus. I love how he's like, this is a this is a fiscal plan. He called it a durable fiscal plan. It's only as oh. durable as the money left. I mean, wow, wow. Oh, and that and that and that ICER economics professor that 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 clearly states PFD cuts are taxes. Let's be honest, said Matt Berman, the longest serving uh, uh, economics professor, goes back to the eighties. Understood the beginning of the understands the beginning. Lived through the beginning of the of the PF, PFD program. Let's let's be clear. PFD cuts are taxes. I mean, Bjorkman's ah. PFD cuts taxes? No, they're not. That's different. Taxes are things that affect the top twenty percent. Those are taxes. That's a fiscal plan. That's a fiscal plan. I mean, and we're and we're not doing that. Oh man! All right, Brad, quick, give us a quick tease for number two here before we move on. I want to talk about bacon again. Um, <laughs> That's more fun, right? I mean, it's less frustrating and delicious. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, the, number two is Anwar and all the political theater around Anwar. Yeah, trying to trying to put Anwar uh, in in place so people really understand what's going on. There. All right, we're going to continue in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show continues. Brad Keithley is our guest. It is the weekly top three. We return with more in just a moment. Number two, dead ahead. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. This whole comment from Bjorkman about how this is a durable fiscal plan was just enough to make my freaking head explode. I was like, what? I mean, this is, that's the plan. That is the plan. 
He said, uh, you know, they have a longer term goal of crafting this this durable fiscal plan. This one is great, though. He loves it. It provides fiscal stability by sucking all the money out of the private economy and putting it into the government economy. I'm sorry. What he meant was fiscal stability for the state. Right. Fiscal, for, fiscal I, stability for the state and fiscal stability for the top 20%. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to, you don't have to contribute to the costs. That, they're, they're, they're great with it. Yeah. And Jesse, who just got a, got a raise, got a big raise out of, out of the legislature in his legislative job. And also is a K through, is a K through 12 educator down in Kenai. Jesse's in the top 20% now. So yeah, oh, yeah. this is great. It's, it's stable. I don't have to take anything out of my pocket. Put, put me in, coach. I want that big 67% juicy raise. That's what we need right here to bolster my retirement. That's uh, what it's all about. Oh, my. My head is just going to explode on this stuff. But, I mean, again, you can see the theater of all this stuff just kind of popping up in all these different little subcategories. Not only not asking who pays, but coming up with plenty of ideas on how to spend all that money. Yeah. Got a problem? Ah, the state will pay for it. State will provide incentives for it. The state will, you know, the state will fund it. The $8 billion, by, by the way, to put that in context, the eight, the in-state line costs $10 billion. So what Sims, whose wife, by the way, is part of the Binkley family. So if we see an op-ed showing up in the, in the Binkley family blog talking about, you know, how great an in-state pipeline is, we'll know where that comes from. Um, but, but Sims wants an $8 billion, sub, $8 billion subsidy on a $10 billion pipeline. He's willing to raise $2 billion. <laughs> thanks, thanks he can make the economics work for $2 billion. It's like, I got a, I got my 20% match. Would you guys just pay for everything else? That's fine. <laughs> I want to buy a house. I'll put 20% down. You pay for the rest. That's what I want. I want a house. That's, you know, Brad, can I talk to you, sugar daddy? Can you, can you hook me up with that? I'll pay the 20%. You pay the rest. Uh, you know, again, not that we wouldn't benefit from an in-state gas line, but again, where does the money come from? I mean, if the money ferry came from the sky, hell, I'd build a large pipeline all the way from the slope to Tidewater because, sure, we could export and we'd have great, but who's going to pay for it? You know, none of these articles would have been written. None of these articles would have been written if if the way we were paying for this was a balanced, broad-based, broad-based approach that included all Alaska families as well as non-residents. None of these articles would be written. George Rauscher wouldn't be talking about reducing taxes on the oil industry. Chuck Kopp wouldn't be talking about, you know, the Ambler Road project. Well, Chuck Kopp might, but Chuck Kopp wouldn't be talking about the, I don't think he'd be talking about the Ambler Road project. Jesse Bjorkman wouldn't be talking about increased K through 12 spending. And, and John Sims wouldn't be talking about an $8 billion. If the top 20% had to pay for these, if Natasha Von Emhoff, Bert Stedman, Click Bishop, if they had to help contribute to this, none of this would be, none of this spending would be going on. The only reason this is going on is because they think they can push the cost down to middle and lower income Alaska families through uh, uh, through PFD cuts and keep the top 20% non-residents and the oil companies insulated from having to contribute any of it. And, and, and it's just, I mean, so you're going to see, you, we see the Democrats do it. And we complain about it, but let's not let's not think for a moment that it's just isolated to the Democrats. The Republicans, right. no, Republicans just want to spend on different things. They yeah. want to spend. They just want to spend on different things. Well, that's the thing. It's not a Republican or Democrat thing. It's a bigger government 
the public economy is more important than everything else group versus the smaller, more limited government. The private economy is the driving force behind everything group. That's what it's about. I mean, that's the that's the delineation. The R's and the D's don't get don't get twisted. Don't get confused. That means nothing at this point. It's it's pro bigger government or pro smaller government, pro public economy or pro private economy. That's what it's all about. Um, Jerica, the Ambler Road is part of the Ambler Mining District, which is way out west. It's actually northwest of Kobuk, uh, up uh, towards Nome, and you know it's it's up in the north. That's where it is. Uh, it's out, it's out there. It's out there between Fairbanks and Nome. It's North of Fairbanks and Nome, between Fairbanks and Nome. Draw a line between Fairbanks and Nome. It's North of that. So it's way out there. Here we go. Okay, we're back. Uh, the Michael Duke Show continues. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio is the weekly top three. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, is our guest. We're on to the weekly number two now. And now we're going to talk about all the political theater that is surrounding the Anwar thing. We were talking about the Willow Project being in courts and then what happens with the rest of uh the refuge and mpra and all this other kind of stuff and then later on that day after we talked about it the press release came out and biden is i again i think trying to appease a lot of these uh, environmental groups that are up in arms about this brad give us the give us the theater review for uh for what's going on here with anwar <laughs> that's, a, that's a, that might be a good way to approach it. That you know, I know really. It's like play. you did this Hamilton. The These are the characters. You did Hamilton, and now you can do the theater of <laughs> politics in the whole uh, thing. Go ahead. Well, no, you're exactly right, Michael. Anwar, the whole Anwar issue is 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 exactly that. It is it is theater, and and it's payback for for Willow. Biden pushed back on his environmental. Uh, uh, supporters push back on the environmental community and said, we're going to go forward with Willow. But to balance that out, he's had to do something. Uh, and that something is Anwar. I know, I know we get upset in this state about Anwar. Oh my God, you know, the president said, remember, remember how many major oil companies, how many people with the, how many companies with the capacity to actually develop Anwar bid on Anwar when the leases came up, <laughs> that would be zero. 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 <laughs> Divide zero. by zero, <laughs> <laughs> and and so you know when 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 we talk about the gas pipeline and people say, oh, we shouldn't be if the if the oil companies don't want to be involved in that, we shouldn't be pursuing it. Well, <laughs> if the oil companies don't want to be involved in Anwar, we shouldn't be pursuing it. And and it's and it's and it's you know it's it's more it's more than simply. Um, uh, Biden, it is the, the belief, the understanding that that in this country, you're never going to get Republican or Democrat. You're never going to get uh, Anwar uh, uh, permitted on a on a reliable basis on a on a on a 50 year basis. You're never going to get Anwar permitted uh, to go forward. There's always going to be a problem with it. And so the, the oil companies are not going to waste their time, waste their effort, waste their resources, waste their money 
by going into a project that that they know is never they believe is never going to be be permitted. And it's more than it's more than just Biden. I mean, remember, it's Donald Trump who who Donald Trump's EPA who shut down uh, the development of the Pebble Mine. It's not yeah, that's not I mean, Biden's reinforced it, but it was Trump's EPA that did it. So it's it, it, it is more than it is more than just one actor that's going on. But it, it is Anwar is useful to everybody as a political tool. I mean, Biden is using it as balance for Willow. I mean, if that's what we get, if we get, if Alaska gets out of Anwar the development of Willow, that's a pretty good deal. I mean, we get we get real oil, right? Uh, real jobs, real construction, real investment for something that was never going to be developed. That's right. that's a that's that's a pretty good deal that that we get out of that. But Biden's using it for political theater, and now the Republicans, Dunleavy and the others, are using it for political theory, theater, trying to, you know, push back and say, "Oh, that's what happens when you have Democrats. Right. That's what happens when you have." I'm you gonna, know, uh, I'm gonna stand tall and fight this federal interruption of our stuff, and I'm gonna do it. We're gonna sue, and yeah, it is. It's it's basically bluster, storm and strife, signifying nothing, is what it is. It's uh, it's. I mean, it's this is this is the world we live in. Biden does one meaningless puppet play. Dunleavy and other Republicans respond in kind. In the meanwhile, nothing really happens. Well, we get Willow. I mean, we get Willow. Yeah. And and so and so I think that I mean, hopefully we don't lose Willow in November to the courts. But 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 we're getting something tangible out of Anwar. And I understand, you know, everybody's doing theater around the cancellation of the Anwar leases. But keep in mind, no oil companies bid on the Anwar leases. And it's not over. <laughs> the legislation that, that that set up the Anwar lease sales provided for two lease sales. And, and, and this is, all of this theater is around the first one. The Biden administration has said they'll go forward with the second one. In fact, when they issued the, the lease cancellation on the leases that had been issued, they issued a draft environmental impact statement for the second lease sale that provides for a second lease sale and provides terms and conditions that will be that will be that would be included in the draft terms and conditions that would be included in the second lease sale. So and and you know, people say, well, you know, Biden is ignoring the law. He's not ignoring the law. Under laws passed by Congress, the administration has the ability to cancel leases when 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 they've been illegally issued, and and the Biden administration and the courts have found that the Anwar environmental impact statement was not satisfactory, and thus the the leases were not legal to be issued under that environmental impact statement, and so they're within the law to do that, and the Biden administration said they're going to go forward with the second lease sale. Now, what will happen? Is nobody's going to bid on the second lease sale either. Either we may have Ada bid again because Ada is part of this political theater now. We may have Ada bid again, and we may go through this cycle all over again about oh my gosh, you know, Biden's issued leases, Ada's bid, now Biden's going to cancel it. We may go through this whole thing again, uh, but it's all political theater. The real substance of what's going on from a federal standpoint is the Willow approvals. Let's keep focused on the prize here. We've got the Willow approvals and and all of this other stuff, all of this other theater that's going on is 
is sort well, of the cost of getting the willow approved. This is appeasement, right? Because um, the environmentalists were outraged, outraged, I tell you, that uh, that Biden, uh, the Biden administration approved the final recommendations for willow. They were just they were shocked. They were like, oh, we, this is the guy that's in our corner. We're going to go to zero oil. It's going to be all green, everything else. And he said yes, and they lost their minds. And that's where all these lawsuits and everything else came from that are going on with Willow right now. And so this is really nothing more than what's well, theater, but it's appeasement. Oh, yes, I know I did Willow, and I know that was bad, but look at all this other stuff that I've done. I've now killed all this other stuff, which really wasn't going anywhere anyway, so it cost me nothing, and look at the—I'm on your side. I, this is just politics 101. Well, and the Republicans get to complain about it, right? The Republicans get everybody to wins. into the mic. Yeah, everybody wins. You get a car, and you get a car, and everybody—and and it costs nothing, you know, kind of thing. It's— I mean, this is just, it's nutty. But, but, but people, I mean, we really shouldn't, I know it's fun to do. I know it's fun to rant. I know it's fun to get your blood up. I know it's fun to, you know, post stuff on Facebook or whatever and, and, you know, talk about how bad the Biden administration is. And I'm not trying to defend the Biden administration, but look, we got something out of this. We got Willow out of this and, and Willow is, is tangible, Something that that you know we know where the oil is. We're drilling for the oil. Uh, we know how to get that oil out. We got a pipeline all set up to get it out. Uh, all of that is is you know in place and going forward. We get something out of this. So yes, you know, shout into the microphone. Yes, get upset. Yes, you know, complain about the Democrats all you want. But at the end of the day, understand that there was something that Alaska got out of this. And it's a pretty good deal, um, uh, assuming assuming the court clears Willow as it should in November. If you uh, like your Willow, if you like your Willow, you can keep your Willow. Uh, maybe, possibly, if the courts agree, you know, kind of thing. Um, uh, you know, that's the challenge here is that we're about to get uh, we're about to get this decision in October, November, whether or not you know, what happens, by the way. And I, I don't know if we went over this la last time we were talking specifically about Willow, but I got you here and I got a couple minutes. What happens if Willow gets if the judge says no? What happens then? Well, that's what Conoco was saying. I mean, that's what we talked about last week. That's what Conoco is saying. That might be the final straw. I mean, it, it depends on how the judge says no, really. If the if the judge says no, it depends on how the judge says no. If the judge says you didn't you didn't consider this huge area that has to be considered and has to be taken into account in the environmental impact statement. And so we're gonna remand it so you have to go look at that area again. Huge area. And if it's gonna take two, three, four, five, another five years to do it. That's what Conoco is saying. I mean, Conoco was saying, look, the leases run out. The term runs out at a certain point. Um, and we're not going to have time to go through this whole process before the lease expiration. And yes, the leases can be extended. And yes, in normal situations, the leases are extended. But here's the question. Is Biden going to make, is Biden, if he's still president, going to make a second decision to extend those leases, to agree to extend those leases at that point in time? So, and so Conoco it's got to go through the process of whether they whether how much time's involved. If the court says you didn't dot this I and you got to go back and dot this I and it's going to take like three months to go back and dot the I, then that's a that's a different issue. 
Uh, it, it still impacts this coming winter's construction period. Uh, if it takes even that short a period of time, three months to go back and dot the I, but it's not, we're not talking about, you know, a long span of time that puts in, that puts at risk right. uh, lease expiration. So it, it depends on how the court says, if the court says no, and I don't, I don't believe they will, but if the court says, no, you got to go back and do, do something over, it depends on how long it is it takes to do that over. Right. But again, in the meanwhile, theater, look at me, I'm still on your side, you know, and, and the Republicans you are all bad and evil. And, and again, it's just, you know, it's, it's like bread and circuses, keeping the masses focused on really nothing, uh, when the important issues are in behind the scenes and they get a chance to win points with both their sides. And I mean, we get willow out of it, but geez, can we just stop with uh can we just stop with the back and forth and the and and this kind of theater stuff it's just it it's 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 not going to it's not going to stop at this point you know it is it is useful for dunleavy to have something i mean dunleavy who's not coming up with a fiscal plan that that deals with you know the, the fundamental issues that we've talked fairness issues and economic issues we talked about on the show dunleavy's not dealing with that can can you know it's a diversion for him right yeah, fiscal issues. Yeah, I'm not doing so great at that. But look at this. Joe, look at what Joe Biden did. I can. And, I can. And, let, and I, let me spend a couple of weeks, you know, going on national TV and talking about that as opposed to dodging Alaska reporters right. who want to talk about fiscal issues. Yeah, I can win on this one. I can win on this. I'll I'll get all the headlines and stay, and be on Fox or wherever all this other stuff. But I won't talk to anybody about the Alaska fiscal issues because that's a scary topic. I just say. All right. Um. Sorry, that was a little mean of me. Uh, Brad, number three, give me the tease. Number three is uh, we're doing some charts. Uh, so we're, we're, we're adding some charts to our weekly chart series that I want to talk about. We did a couple of other charts that, that I think are pretty good ways of encapsulating what's going on. Um, and so I want to do a chart update uh, for number three this week. Okay. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We're going to continue with him here in just a moment. And we will finish up the weekly top three. We'll see where we go. We may just end up back at Bacon Pancakes at this point. That's about the only thing that's going to make me happy. Back with more of the Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty Bay's Free Thinking Radio. Listen to by more staffers in Juneau than any other show. Because their bosses told them to. And after what they just heard, oh man, they're going to be best. You're a bad, bad man. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets is our guest. Uh, we're in the break. We're in the break right now. I mean, this just seems to be the thing that continues to go... Uh, this is this is the this is the new thing of the day, right, Brad? I mean, just all this theater. Anytime there's a, oh well, we better do we better put out a press release that does nothing. And of course, this is nothing new. This is politics in general, but this is what's been going on for years at this point, and we're just seeing it uh, writ large at this point. Yeah, and and I just I I don't want people to lose sight of the fact that we're gaining ground. Willow is. Willow is a positive that, that didn't, could, wasn't guaranteed. 
I, I continue to attribute to, uh, the accomplish that accomplishment to Lisa Murkowski and and the Biden's administration's desire to want to continue to keep her on side uh, on on various matters. Um, and Willow wasn't guaranteed, and we and we got Willow now. You know, politically, politically, Biden has to do something. I mean, in, just in the reality of the world, Biden has to do something that, that looks like it offsets that. And if it's Anwar, which, again, zero, you know, major oil companies, the oil companies with the capacity to develop it, zero oil companies bid on. If it's if it's the theater of, you know, of, of canceling the the seven willow leases held by Ada, that's all we're talking about, if. But if it's the theater of doing that to get Willow, to keep Willow alive, then, you know, that's a that's a price that I think is 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 worth paying. But it does. I mean, so it triggers off all this theater from the from the environmental community. It triggers off all this theater from Republicans. They just, you know, they go bashing each other uh, about it. And okay, but don't don't lose sleep over it. I mean, that's 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 the point that, that I think people should keep in mind, don't lose sleep over it. We're gaining, we gained Willow. That's a big deal. It's production in hand. It's jobs in hand. It's construction activities in hand. Don't lose sight of, of what's being gained out of this. So go, go ahead and play the games. Go ahead and, you know, write, write nasty Facebook posts and write nasty Twitter posts and, you know, uh, talk nasty about it. Go ahead and play the game, but, but don't lose sight of the fact that that there is progress being made uh, somewhere else. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Somebody, <laughs> Brian, somebody do something. Well, yeah, that's what, they, I mean, they're doing something. It's just not anything meaningful. They're, again, they're they're rattling their sabers. They're putting up the facade. They're doing all the, yeah, they're doing something. It's just not the thing that you would expect at this point. There's not anything worthwhile, you know. Brian, Brian liked Hamilton, right? Wasn't wasn't yep, it last right. week? Wasn't Brian yeah. the one that said yep. said he liked Hamilton last week? Well, yeah. this is this is sort of Hamilton in a in a in a different uh, it, 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 on a public stage, if you will, in a non entertaining non non entertaining non rap way. This is Hamilton, right? There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, all right, Brad. Well, what's uh, what's happening with you? How how are things going? I guess we'll we'll sidestep for a minute and do something a little fun. Everything. Uh, how how's how's life uh, how's life treating you down there? Visiting mom and doing all that stuff. Uh, my mother's ninety. She's doing great. I'm just yeah. I'm 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 amazed how uh, how great she's doing. I mean, she has all of her mental faculties and, uh, and, and is just doing great. So it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's fun to come visit and, uh, and to hang out and, uh, and, and it's going well. And I found a couple of, uh, of, uh, uh, music festivals in the lower 48 to do while I was here, uh, as well. So it's, um, it's good. I'm, I'm headed, headed back, uh, at the end of the week for a while and then headed off someplace else, but headed back to Alaska at the end of the week for a while. But it's, um, She's doing great. Good, good. Well, give uh, give her. I've never met your mom, but you talk 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 about her often, and I know she often comments 
Um, you know, you like me, your mom and your mom, my dad, my mom and dad watch the show every day. And I know your mom watches the show, so they should get together and have coffee or something, you know, <laughs> and critique their, <laughs> their, critique their boys. How did they do this morning? Oh, they were just wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And now, and now we've talked about bacon pancakes. You may want bacon pancakes for breakfast. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I may need, need to, may need to get Terry's recipe. For I oh man. So good. Brad, I just, you know, and you try not to put, I just want to put a little dab of syrup. You try not to put too much syrup on there, but oh, that crispy, salty bacon with the maple syrup is uh, amazing. I'm not, I'm not sure we've described this enough. It is, it is a strip of bacon wrapped in a pancake. Yeah. It's not like, it's not like bacon laid on pancakes. Yeah. It's a strip of bacon wrapped. Well, yeah. In Cause a we used to make it, you know, we used to make bacon pancakes where you pour out a little strip of pancake batter and then you lay the bacon on it and then before you flip it you pour a little more and flip it this was she pats it all dry dips the whole thing in pancake batter like you're going to deep fry it and then slaps it on the griddle and it was it was amazing it was amazing so it's uh it was it was good and delicious and again those farm fresh eggs with a little ketchup on them just to give them a little tang I'm hungry. All right, let's uh, let's continue ahead. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio. Like and share, like and follow. Let's go! The Michael Duke Show. Not your daddy. Wait, sorry. Not your daddy? Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio. Huh. Whew, I was scared for a second. Thought we were going down. Here's Michael Dukes and the show. Yep. Uh, not your daddy's talk radio, although my daddy is watching because he loves me in a big way. Welcome back to the uh, program. Uh, weekly top three, number three of the weekly top three. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, joins us. Brad, <clears throat> you do a thing called the chart of the week uh, on uh, over for the landmine, uh, right? And, and for uh, and for Facebook and everything else. And number three is new charts of the week. So give us uh, give us the rundown here, and I'll start throwing some stuff up on the screen here. Well, in addition to the landmine chart of the week, um, we do charts. The project, various people help out. And we do we do charts every day um, uh, on various things. Six days a week, we post an update of the of the oil price, the projected oil price for the remainder of this fiscal year, for the next fiscal year, and for the five years, five fiscal years following that, we update it based upon what the futures market uh, is doing. Uh, during the course of the week, we'll publish uh, charts. Uh, we have sort of a, a routine we go through. We publish a chart on uh, on where ANS oil goes, what's going on in West Coast uh, refinery markets, which is where most of the ANS oil goes. We post a chart once a week on what the ANS tankers are doing, where the oil is going uh, once it leaves uh, once it leaves Valdez, and what the schedule is and, where, and what they're doing. Uh, on Saturday, we post a revenue chart, uh, what the projection is for this year's revenue. Um, and on Sunday, we post a couple of charts. One is what uh, what the projections are for uh, inflation and what the projections are for what the current interest, current long-term interest rates are doing, 10-year interest rates are doing. So it's, we, we publish various things, all of which relate to Alaska's fiscal situation in, in, in various pieces. And, and, and various people find those useful. 
if you haven't followed them, they're they're on our uh, page on on our Facebook page or on our Twitter page or on our LinkedIn page. Uh, there's various places uh, that you can follow them day to day. We we've started a new one on Saturdays that I think is is particularly useful during this fiscal year, um, and it's and it's an issue that that we haven't focused on a lot yet. But as oil prices as the year as we get into the year and as oil prices have stepped up, it's a it's an issue that I think is worth following, and that is the breakdown of where revenues are going um, on uh, within the confines of the FY24 uh, budget. Ooh, that's a nice picture. Is that like, is that like Star Trek command headquarters? Sorry. That's the inside there. of the studio. That's the inside of my studio. I accidentally had the wrong picture up. There we go. That, that's really, that's really a nice picture though. So this, but, but this Saturday uh, chart that we've started doing is a breakdown of the FY24 budget uh, at projected oil prices. The way that the budget got set up, there's a there's a break-even budget that's based on $68. And then as oil prices go higher, there's various places that the additional revenues go. The budget's already set that up. We're not gonna have a huge amount of surplus at the end of the year. I mean, this budget's set up in a way, so we're not gonna have a huge amount of surplus at the end of the year that the legislature is going to get their hands on and be able to do a bunch of supplementals out of. Um, at, at $68, it funds the uh, uh, funds the basic budget. Uh, and we've got a portion of that is is in trad revenues, a portion traditional revenues, a portion of that is uh, is part of the POMB draw that's going to government. And, and that totals out to $5.5 billion, $5.1 billion. That's, that's the break-even budget. But as oil prices go up, uh, there's there's additional places where that where the where the revenues go between 68 and 73 dollars. Those revenues uh, go to an intended surplus to cover supplementals uh, or uh, things that come up during the course of the year that are unanticipated, and that's about another 290 million dollars. If oil gets to 73 million, that piece that level is uh, is funded at at uh, 29 at at 20, 290 million dollars. Um, above $73, between $73 and $83, uh, there's a split. Uh, the, the budget provides for a split. Half goes to a supplemental PFD that would be paid out next August, uh, or next October, rather, as, a, uh, as an energy uh, payment. Um, and that's half of the, half of the difference between uh, $73 and $83 oil. The other half goes to the CBR, and then beyond eighty-three dollars, uh, all of the all of the revenue, additional revenue that comes in, uh, goes to the CBR. So what we've done in this Saturday chart, this additional chart that we're going to publish on Saturdays, is we're showing in real time as oil prices vary, what the what the 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 place uh, where where those revenues are going to end up, and it's a way of following along with what the budget looks like at any given point in time if those prices uh, remain the same. So on Saturdays, we'll continue to publish that. And frankly, I find that a fairly handy chart to see what's going on with the FY24 budget, if there's going to be a supplemental PFD right, uh, and the amount involved in the supplemental PFD. All right. That's Another. Not, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I say that's chart number one. I, I was just right. trying to transition. Go ahead. All right. Chart number two is something that we did. Uh, in last week's um, 
uh, Alaska landmine column, uh, and it relates to the earnings reserve balance. There is a problem. The, the, the Permanent Fund Corporation publishes monthly um, uh, an update of both the permanent fund uh, capital amount, the, the corpus amount, as well as an update of the permanent fund earnings reserve. And uh, we've, we've just sort of taken those at face value over time. We've published a very small chart uh, that sort of updates on a monthly basis when the Permanent Fund Corporation comes out with its new financials each month when the Permanent Fund Corporation comes out with its new financial statement and history and projections. But this last month, the July, the one they published for July, which they published in uh, uh, early, uh, uh, when they published in late August, uh, the one for July shows a real problem. I mean, it shows the earnings reserve balance down to 540 million. So we dug into that in last week's uh, Alaska landmine column, found out that it's really, they're mixing apples and oranges and that 540 million really isn't 540 million that's available in the earnings reserve account. Once you, at the, the, the steps down go to the middle and that, that, that shortest column is the 540 million. And then the adjustments we make are the steps up from the middle. Uh, and we ultimately end up with an amount of about 10 billion that should be in the earnings reserve account. Um, and so this, this chart is something that we explained in last week's uh, Alaska landmine column. And it will be a chart that we publish monthly following what the Permanent Fund Corporation is following to make the adjustments necessary to keep, you know, keep a perspective on what's going on in the earnings reserve account. My concern We've seen it already is people are going to use a low balance in the earnings reserve account to, you know, do a chicken little, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. We got to do something different, which essentially results in wiping out the PFD. Um, and my concern is if we, if, if the permanent fund corporation just keeps publishing these low amounts, that that's going to add to the fuel for the sky is falling. So we're doing these adjustments and we'll publish them monthly after the PFC, after the permanent fund corporation publishes theirs. To show uh, to show what really is going on with the with the with the ERA, I see this chart, and all I can think of is is this this voodoo accounting stuff where they're kind of shuffling money and showing it from a different perspective to put to paint it in a bad light um, to justify is this the crisis that they create to justify the uh, the actions that they have to go? I mean, I think you just said it. This is the justification. Oh, there's only five hundred and forty billion a million in the in the earnings reserve. We can't do any PFD this year. You know how you know how they get that. I mean, it's just fascinating how they get that five hundred and forty million. Is they is they is they take the earnings reserve as it is in any given point in time, which only has keep in mind only has a year of earnings or a month of earnings. This 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 is July. Only has a month of earnings, and they and they and they subtract from that a full year's worth of inflation proofing, plus a full year's worth of the POMB draw for FY twenty four plus a full year's POMV draw for FY25. I have no idea why the hell, you know, we're, we're including, a, a creating a reserve, a full year's reserve for FY25 inside the FY24 uh, POMV. But, you know, once you do all that, once you, once you do all those deductions, you can get the number down pretty damn low. Right, right. So what we're trying to show is that's artificial. That's an artificial number. Let's make these adjustments. Let's get it back up to where it needs needs to be. And that last adjustment on the right is the prepayment. Uh, the prepayment, the $8 billion that got prepaid out of the earnings reserve shoved over in the corpus as, as a prepayment. So 
that's that's something we're going to do on a monthly basis for people that want to follow it. And the final chart is uh, is one that that we just did on a spot basis uh, that's on our Facebook page, Twitter page, LinkedIn page uh, that shows the sources and uses of funds for FY24. And the reason we did this one and the reason I think it's useful is is to show how much of the budget is being financed by taxes, PFD cuts, largest, most regressive tax ever, according to ICER's Matt Berman. Um, and the red on the left, this, the red is, is sources of funds, the right is use of funds, the operating budget, capital budget, uh, and so on, and the statewide operating budget, so on. Um, but the left is the sources of funds, and that red is PFD cuts. It's how much of the budget's being financed by taxes. 27% over about $1.3 billion, $1.4 billion, 27% of the FY24 budget is financed by taxes in the form of uh, in the form of PFD cuts. And I think trying to put together this chart to show how stark it is, how much we're financing the budget out of PFD cuts was a, was a worthwhile effort. So you can find that on our Facebook page and our LinkedIn page. All right. Yep. So if you want to go, I know it's radio and Brad's talking about charts that you can't see, but go look at them. They're over again in his uh, on his Facebook page. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Thank you, Brad. Folks, we're out of time. We got more coming up. Hour two, dead ahead. I mean, we look at these charts and you're like, whoa, wait a second. Um, it's, uh, I mean, that, that this whole maneuvering uh, with that middle chart where you could see, we'll make the thing say whatever you want. You tell us, boss, what you want it to say, and we'll make it say whatever you want. We got a one-month snapshot here, and we're going to put two years worth of costs and spending in there against it and show that you have a negative balance. So you can't, I mean... It's insane. I mean, this, but but the thing is, people look at it and they get panicky. They don't look at the methodology. They don't look at the actual numbers. Uh, I mean, we see this all the time with, you know, with gun stuff where they're they're quoting things and doing all this. But you have to look at the methodology of how they came up with the numbers to be able to even understand it. And the average person's not going to do that. They're going to look at that and go, "Oh my God." Of course you need to take the PFD because I don't want to be taxed. I mean, I just, you know, not that you're not getting the 27% tax already, but other than that, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I asked when I when I finally figured out what the what the Permanent Fund Corporation was doing to get the ERA balance down that small, the FY25, the FY, is creating a reserve for the full year FY25 uh, POMV draw was just, just sort of beyond the edge. That's like that's like three billion dollars. I mean, they get it down to 0. 0.5, 500 million dollars, 0.5 billion dollars by deducting that final deduction is the FY25 three billion dollars. And so I asked several accountants, would you ever do that? Would you ever do a subsequent year? Would you ever create a reserve for a subsequent year that's not been appropriated um, and and has not been has not been set yet? Would you ever create a reserve? For a subsequent year in the current year's income statement, and and to a to a person, they said, "No, that's just really odd. That's just really, it's just really, you know, just odd. out of out of <laughs> that's out of the system. That's really malfeasance. I mean, uh, that's really disingenuous. That's you know, that's really." deceptive is i think the word that they were looking for in that regard <laughs> i mean come on i mean it's it's bad enough it's bad enough that they that they that so so you've got the earnings reserve you've got one month's 
uh, uh, realized earnings that you're that you're reporting on. You're taking the accumulated amount and you've got one month's realized earnings that report. It's bad enough that they're deducting from that a full year's uh, a full year's inflation proofing and a full year's POMV. I mean, it's bad enough that they're that they're matching a one month income statement against a full year's deduction for those for those two reserves. But then to throw in another year, then to you know just pull in pull in a future year and pull that forward, uh, it's just I mean it, the the accountants I talked to just rolled their eyes. So it's yeah. I. It, it it is I you know I don't want to accuse anybody of, of, of <laughs> I will a theater <laughs> but it is I mean that whole that whole document is 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 geared to looks like it's geared to show the it, it wasn't enough just to show the worst case it wasn't enough just to take a full year and and set it off against a month it, it that wasn't enough. They had to throw in another year. They had to, you know, pull pull forward another year to to get it all the way down. And it's just it's theater to to create the uh, create the illusion that uh, oh my god, the earnings reserve is in trouble. It's in trouble. Well, I mean, it is. I just we can't. You can't. I don't know, Brad. I just I shake my head and I'm just like, this is the this is the these are the people that we're dealing with uh, over and over and over. And uh, I wish I wish I had an answer as to what. Uh, uh, as to how to deal with them, other than to to debunk or mystify, demystify what they're saying by having somebody like you come in and and dissect the chart and say, well, the chart says this, but here's the methodology and here's the real deal. Uh, so going, I mean, going back to those those charts and saying this is not real, folks. This is not this is not how you would do it normally. This is not how accountant you know people would normally account for this kind of stuff. Uh, it just makes no sense. Yeah. It's, so it's uh, so as I say, I mean, we do a series of these charts to try to have a factual baseline, a factual baseline for what's really going on in 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 these areas. And and the one that we're doing, the one that we're going to be doing with the earnings reserve on a monthly on a monthly basis, I think, is an important one because I swear to I swear we're going to get we're going to get a, a an article out of the Beacon or someplace saying. Oh, it's only five hundred million. Five hundred million dollars. We've got. We've got nothing in the bank if something goes wrong. Well, it's not that. Right. Um, and 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 you need you need to be honest about that. And, yeah. And th- these charts are just an effort to push back on that. But my point is, if people if people want to keep track of this, we do these charts on a daily basis. Uh, we publish seven days. We publish these charts seven days a week. Usually they're in our uh, seven thirty five time slot our publishing time slot and our 830 time slot for the for the for the ongoing oil prices if you want to keep track of this stuff and understand what's really going on uh, uh follow these charts because they're they're we've set them up to be to provide useful information about what's going on with alaska's oil situation alaska's fiscal situation uh and i'll give brad uh, i'll give brad one last uh Wow, this thing is so slow this morning. I don't know why it's taken so long. We'll give Brad one more. Uh, we'll give Brad one more peek at the uh, at, at the space. This is this is Command Central right there. That's what this inside of the studio looks. Brad, when you get to this point, you know that you you you've arrived. 
at that point that's the inside of the what's studio. what's what's the screen on the bottom is that a wraparound screen it's a it's a big samsung curved screen it actually splits into two different monitors in the middle but it's one single screen yeah that's the that's what the inside and there's actually one you can't see it but in between and the the top and the bottom there's another screen behind that uh, controls all the stuff for the different radio stations and everything so that's just a sneak peek i just thought i'd give you the sneak peek i had that picture that- for somebody else so i that is hugely impressive. I yeah. Mean, I, well, it's I, a lot of <laughs> talk about altered reality or well, virtual you, reality. You're just you, you gotta, you're in another world. You got to take care of a lot. There's a lot of stuff going on in here all the time. So, all right. Well, Brad, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming in and joining us. It's good to hear from you. We look forward to talking to you again soon, my friend. All right, folks. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. We got to go back with more of the Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Like it, share, like it, follow. Let's uh, let's do this thing. Whoa, buddy! Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Hello. And good morning to you, my friends. Hour two of the big radio broadcast for the Tuesday edition of the show. Just finished up with Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. And um, wow, uh, just <laughs> it's so frustrating to realize how much of what we are seeing and getting from our elected leaders, politicians, and bureaucrats is so much political theater that, um, I mean, it's just, it's astonishing to watch. It is absolutely astonishing to watch. And uh, and Brad kind of <clears throat> broke it all down for us there at the very end with those charts to kind of show us how uh, we can see what's coming. We can see that it's going to be um, you know, uh, it's it's going to be a crisis in the making, a crisis of their own making in many ways, but a crisis nonetheless. And it's going to be uh, it's going to be justified in all these uh, fictitious numbers and things that they're rolling out there for us and and at accounting for us. It's it's amazing. It's one reason why you know the <clears throat> the old phrase of um, uh, what what is it. Uh, um, liars damn liars and statistics you know being able to manipulate things and uh and uh and and show you whatever that you want to be shown with numbers to manipulate them that's exactly what they've done in this kind of stuff it's kind of it's it's a, it's just crazy 
It's absolutely crazy. Um, but we've got coming up in this hour, Chris Story uh, for our weekly uplift. Now, we've done a little bit of changing. We've moved Chris over to um, from being in the in the, at the second. So we have three segments for each show. Of course, if you're just listening to us, um, we have three segments for each show. And the um, uh uh, and the uh, the middle segment was normally where we would place Chris. The problem is, is that I'd be all ramped up from something here in the first segment because I just finished up with Brad and I'm agitated about something. And so I go on some kind of good rant about it. And then the next thing you know, uh, Chris kind of soothes my soul and, and makes me all calm and relaxed. And then I got one more segment to do. And I'm like, I don't want to go back to the rant. I, I feel pretty good right now. Chris has given me that uplift. And, uh, and so we've moved Chris to the end of the show. Um, he gets the final word, uh, from, uh, for the, for the Tuesdays. And so we're going to be joining him about, uh, about 40 minutes after he'll be joining us to talk today about backyard basics, backyard basics. That's going to be, that's going to be our topic for today. Chris, uh, is, uh, is going to be coming in and, and be a part of it. So we're looking, uh, we're looking forward to that. Um, all right. So I, I'm still just, you know, the, the problem is, is that we keep falling for all this stuff. I mean, all the stuff that Brad just talked about, all the stuff that just went into this, it's, you know, it's the, it, it's the same. We just keep falling for the same thing over and over and over again. And they keep, they keep fooling us and, and dazzling us with, uh, you know, what do they say? If you can't, uh, 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 if you can't impress them with with uh, with brilliance, you baffle them with BS kind of thing. I mean, that's where we're at. That's kind of the the place that we're at. They say, well, you know, now our ERA is so low, we only have just over half a billion dollars left in the ERA, and so this next year we we can't have just that low a cushion. And so what we really need is we really need not to pay the PFD to make sure that we have some cash reserves on hand. This is the argument. This is the argument that's going to be coming. I can tell you right now. Um, and uh, and on top of that, it will be in another year or two, it'll be that same argument, only this time they'll come back and say, well, you know, you Alaskans, you need to pay your fair share because we're not, you know, you're not paying any taxes like other states. And so we need to pay our fair share. So now we need to talk about taxes after they've taken the um, after they've taken the PFD and everything else, now we need to talk about tax. So all those people who've been out there this whole time screaming about how, well, we don't, we don't want to take, ta- we do, we don't want to get taxed. And so go ahead and take our PFD. And now it'll be like, uh, no, that's not how it. Yeah. So, oh man. And you could see it. You could see it in the, in the arguments. Let's go back to this article in the Peninsula Clarion that Brad was talking about this, uh, this piece on uh, Jesse Bjorkman, who went back and stood in front of the Chamber of Commerce for Kenai uh, and the uh, Soldatna Chamber of Commerce, and uh, and he sat down and and he and he told all the things that happened in Juneau and how all these things are great and how look he did this good bill that was the lumber grading bill, which I'm not opposed to. I thought that was a, a good thing to be able to get Alaskan lumber into the market and all that kind of stuff. But then he goes on to talk about things like the state budget. And uh, he, he, he's quoted here, 
Uh, Bjorkman also pulled out highlights from the state budget, which he describes as the Alaska legislature's ultimate assignment. Though they passed a budget, Bjorkman said he and other state lawmakers have a long-term goal of crafting a durable fiscal plan. They, they have a plan. They have a goal and they have a, and they're putting a plan together. I mean, they guarantee it for us. The budget document passed this year, he said, provides fiscal stability for Alaska by not implementing a broad-based tax and not increasing taxes on industry. And it gives Alaskans a $1,300 permanent fund dividend and leaves the state with $375 million surplus. So, wait, wait, wait a second. That's part of the fiscal plan? And that's the same thing, by the way, that we heard from Gary Stevens, was that this is part of the fiscal plan, that we'll just take all the money, give you a small permanent fund dividend, and that's that's a fiscal plan. 7525 is their fiscal plan. Although you could see now with the, the reports and the charts that Brad just talked about, that their ultimate goal is not 7525, but their ultimate goal is 90-10, 95-5, maybe just even 100%, because we just don't have the money in the earnings reserve to do all this. And so to avoid taxes, we need to take all of the permanent fund. And that, of course, the next year it will be, well, you know, you Alaskans just, you're not paying your fair share. You're not paying your way. And so we need some taxes on top of that. This is he's parroting the whole thing and then goes on to talk about school funding and how they need a meaningful increase to the amount of money the school districts receive per student and not just get one time funding. He said, we need money inside the foundation formula that school districts can count on to build up educational opportunities. One of the reasons why they want that in there, by the way, is because once it's in there, no, but you can't fight it once it's in there. It's in there. They don't want to have to do this battle to justify what they're doing every year. They want to increase that and put it in there. Then he says, this is one of the most inane things, uh, one-time money is spent a lot on one-time staff. Well, whose fault is that? Whose fault is that if you're spending it on if, – if, and this is the same thing that the Anchorage School District did where they got all those big-dollar COVID monies. Remember that? And they took all the COVID money and they used it for salaries and then took the salary money and spent it on other stuff because they had an offset. But that's just a one-year fix because then the money goes away the next year and then they could go, well, now we're in a crisis. Well, piss-poor management on your part does not constitute an emergency on my part. But that's where we're at. They took one-time monies and they spent it on things on reoccurring costs and now they're in a panic. Well, now we're money down. Well, that's because you didn't, I mean, you know, what you could have done is you could have offset those wages and costs and everything else with the one-time money and banked the rest of it and used it for the future. But you didn't do that. You took the one-time money and you spent that and more. Shocking. Shocking. I know that this is how, this is, this is the world that we live, but here you go. We're going to continue to we're going to continue to to push all this, and of course we need more money. And yes, it is a fiscal plan. The the seventy five twenty five is a fiscal plan. I mean, again, we shouldn't be shocked that Bjorkman is all about the the uh, is all about the education spend. I mean, he's a teacher in uh, the high school, middle high school, right? I mean, he's a teacher there. So this is not it's not shocking that this is near and dear to his heart. Uh, but as Brad pointed out, now that he's got both the teacher's salary and the uh, 
and the legislator salary, he's, you know, he, he's going to be trying to protect some of his own, I think, in the future now being part of that top 20 percentile uh, of earners out there. Go for it. Go for it. But this idea that somehow it's uh, th- this is the this is part of that meaningful fiscal stability by just continuing to take the money from Alaskans. Um, I f- find that in insulting. I just just totally insulting. Um, all right. What else we got uh, here yesterday? If you were down in the Anchorage Bowl yesterday, you probably heard um, all the booming and roaring of the Jets. I mean, they were shaking the building. I was at the radio. I'm glad we weren't I wasn't recording anything at the time because the Jets were roaring around and everything else. What was going on? Uh, it wasn't red flag operations. It wasn't an exercise. A civilian aircraft violated a temporary flight restriction over Anchorage on Monday during uh, the president's visit um, in in the and it, it was like a little uh, like a bush plane. Apparently, somebody didn't get the memo that they had closed the airspace around the Anchorage Bowl. Um, a Piper PA-18 Super Cub entered the closed airspace over the Anchorage Bowl about 11.50 a.m. And as a response, Jay Bear scrambled a pair of F-16 fighters. <laughs> And when they couldn't get the when they couldn't get the plane's attention, they pulled in front of it and 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 popped flares right in front of it to get its attention. Um, And uh, and so then they escorted it to another airport and, and made it land. Pilots are expected to be aware of Federal Aviation Administration issued temporary flight restrictions. And there was a flight restriction over um uh, over the Anchorage Bowl from about 11 until almost 3 p.m. on Monday. But these things scrambled out over over uh, over the top of Anchorage and I mean they were loud. It was uh, it was amazing to uh, to hear and I was looking around outside to see what was going on but uh, anyway, uh, they got the pilot down without incident, no further. You know, I guess I don't know if there'll be a black mark on their record or whatever, but they said it was again a Piper Super Cub with big Tundra tires on it. So I can only assume somebody was probably out moose hunting and was returning from the moose hunt, not realizing that there was a new restriction in place. And uh, they probably probably needed a new pair of pants by the time that whole thing was over. I would not want to be a uh, I would not want to be the pilot in that regard, being in a Super Cub and. You know, um, uh, and then have an F-16 zoom up on your side. So, uh, all right. Well, we're coming up on the break. We got more coming up. Uh, Chris Story joining us at the end of the story. End of the Chris Story coming up at the end of the show. We'll be back with more of the Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right, my friends, we are in the commercial break. uh, And uh, I'm going to have to be... uh, I'm going to have to be back in uh, just a moment. Don't uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be we'll be right back.
you know, usually, uh, usually I'm okay, but every now and then you got to see a man about a horse. You know what I mean? Just like all of a sudden. So, uh, it worked out. Thank you so much for coming on board and, uh, joining us. Apologize for that. We're, <laughs> we're going to, uh, we're going to jump back into it here. We're 30 seconds out. I went and got bacon pancakes. I couldn't take it anymore. That was the, that was the thing. I needed to take needed to take care needed to take care of that. All right, well we're jumping back into it here, uh, ready to go. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Like and share, like and follow, subscribe, ring the bell, do all that stuff. Let's get to it. Here we go. Okay. Welcome back. Uh, the Michael Duke Show. <laughs> Bill in the chat room just said he's making bacon pancakes right now. Thank you very much. <laughs> Apparently, we inspired him. They are delicious. They are. And now my wife is coming back. And now my wife is like, I. Uh, she goes, you know what I really want? She goes, I know I shouldn't because it's bread. But she says, I really want to make some sourdough starter and make sourdough pancakes and then make sourdough bacon pancakes. And I'm like, okay, you talk me into it. That sounds delicious. I mean, I love me. I love me some starter, uh, some some sourdough pancakes. Um, I remember as a kid, you know, in Fairbanks at the golden days time, you know, the the church always put together a big sourdough pancake feed in the morning. Those pancakes were so good. So good. If I'd been smart, I mean, I was a kid, but if I'd been smart, I would have just, I would have grabbed a little bit of that starter and and been feeding it the whole time. I mean, I guess some of these people have got sourdough starters that are decades old, right? They've been just been feeding it for years, decades. Um, like an heirloom, it's an heirloom sourdough, you know, or whatever. But you can make your own. Um I would love to love to do it. Um, all right, uh, we have got a uh, we have got a full rundown uh, from Chris Story coming. He's going to be giving us the backyard basics here in just a few moments. Uh, in the next segment of the show, we've moved Chris over to this is his normal segment, but we've moved him now because I hate getting all wrapped up and and turned up about something and then. Uh, and then getting all calmed down and then having to figure out what to do at the end of the show. Um, it's interesting. I reached out, um, unbeknownst to me, that this this article came out yesterday. And I hadn't seen this article, but I had uh, reached out to, um, you know, in the quest for, for new guests or, or guests that I haven't talked to in a while. Um, I had reached out to Representative uh, Justin Ruffridge to see if he wanted to come on the program and Give us an update on what's uh, on what's going on and what's happening um, around you know the the state and everything, 
and um, um, and uh, then I saw this story from yesterday. When when did I send him a text? I want to make sure that I'm. Um. So that would have been uh, last uh, last Tuesday, I guess. Um. No, uh, that would have been last Tuesday. I'm trying to figure out what the date was on this text. Anyway, um, uh, Suzanne Downing over at Must Read Alaska has put out uh, a little piece on this, and I. I guess I hadn't caught the minutiae of this and I hadn't really seen, uh, I hadn't caught what was going on because um, we've had Justin Ruffridge on the program and a very amenable guy. I like him. We agree on a lot of things, but there's some things that we definitely do not agree on. Uh, one of the things that I thought we agreed on was this um, discrimination on the transgendered, you know, would allow transgendered into the whole public accommodations thing. So the story reads that Justin Ruffridge has been on the defense this summer as conservatives in District 7 on the Kenai press him about his controversial vote on a bill that would have created new protections for public accommodations. Um, HB 99 ended up being tabled in the Judiciary Committee by uh, uh, Sarah Vance, I think is who tabled it. But it first had to be heard in the Community and Regional Affairs Committee. The bill title says that it is, quote, an act relating to and prohibiting discrimination based on sexual orientation or gender identity or expression. Um, the voting record um, is clear. To get the bill moved out of committee required a majority vote. Three Democrats, uh, Hemshoot, Mears, and C.J. McCormick, uh, voted to move it. Hemshoot uh, is actually an independent, but she is a Democrat. She caucuses with the Democrats. So they voted to move it. McCabe and Tom McKay voted against the bill. Ruffridge has been telling people in the Kenai that there was... Uh, that there was no vote and that the must-read story is a fabrication, but Republican Ruffridge was a no recommendation vote, which is different than a no vote. That made the vote three to two, and it passed out to judiciary because of that. A no recommendation vote is the same as not being there, as abstaining. And in a vote that would have been a tie, which would have prevented the bill from going forward, it would have just killed it. Now, he says he's a no vote, but he voted no recommendation, which is kind of, again, one of those slippery maneuvering ways to, uh, you know, to get out of saying, well, I, I didn't want to vote no, I didn't want to vote yes. But he allowed it to pass out of the committee, uh, whether that was his intent or not. That was the end result was that it passed out of his committee. If he had just voted no flat out. He it would have died. It would have stopped in committee. It wouldn't have advanced. Um, so uh, it, it was anything other than do not pass basically is a passing vote. And what does that mean? Um, so I don't know if he was trying to have his cake and eat it, too, here, if he thought that it would go to judiciary and die. And so he was trying to hedge his bets with the more moderate parts of his constituency, which has happened. I mean, if you know that something is going to leave your committee and go to another committee and you're 99 percent sure it's going to die, 
then do you vote to try and mollify some of your more moderate members or do you just stick to your, I mean, I personally would just stick to my, I hate playing those kind of games. I hate playing that fifth degree chess where I got to think 16 moves ahead and predict what other people are going to do because you just never know, right? You may have a 90% certainty or an 80% certainty that that bill is going to get killed in another committee where it's going to be referred. But what if, what if it doesn't? And then it goes out and it's, uh, you know, and it's something that, I mean, this bill is not a great bill, but, uh, you know, it's not like earth shattering. But why would you even let it out of committee at that point? Unless you were either one actually in favor of it and just didn't want to say it to alienate your conservative base or two, you're trying to mollify your more progressive or moderate base in the same area that you're working in. So, I mean, I just, I guess my question is this. Why did you vote no recommendation? I mean, he says he's a no vote. Because I remember we we had, uh, there was some discussion on this when it was going on. I remember him, I remember him being quoted somewhere as saying, you know, oh, he's a no vote. can't remember if I asked him this question. I don't feel like I did, but maybe, I mean, I'd have to go back and, and re-listen to the podcast. But it, it doesn't matter. I want to know, with a no recommendation vote, what does that really mean? How do you really feel about this? Is this a, yes, I'm in favor of it, oh, no, I'm not, or is it the ambivalence? What What is your true feeling on this bill? And so when we get him back on the program, this will be a question that we're going to be asking him. So we'll, we'll see what... Uh, We'll see what happens with that. But again, I just, you know, this this goes back to what we were just talking about with Brad, kind of this political theater of everybody is playing the odds. Everybody's playing the game. Um, and it's the, the it's politics, right? I mean, we keep joking about how Juno is like the, you know, the the Alaskan Game of Thrones or whatever, but it's that's exactly what it is. In the Game of Thrones, you play or you die kind of thing. So apparently if you don't play the game, you don't get ahead. Maybe that's just what this is. He's playing the game to pass this on to a place that he knows it's going to die to win some to win some kudos or maybe he just has no opinion of it anyway. I don't know. I I am I'll be honest with you. After covering all this stuff for 20 years and watching all this stuff go down, I got to tell you, I'm getting a bit sick of the whole political you know, of the whole political game. I'm getting a bit sick of the continual um, you know, tweaking, the numbers massaging, the uh, the theater of we sue you, you sue us, you shake your fist at us, and we shake your fist at you, and behind closed doors we're shaking hands and it's all okay. I remember the whole Biden administration thing is he shuts down Anwar, and then Mike Dunleavy stands up and shakes his fist on TV and says, we're going after the Biden administration. And yet at the 9-11 memorial, and I understand you have to be polite, but they're like glad handing and shaking hands and doing all this other kind of stuff. I mean, I understand you've got to be respectful, but at some point, I don't know as I could walk up and shake hands and glad hand with somebody who I feel truly is giving us the sticky shaft. That would be a hard thing to do. Again, this is why I would make a horrible politician. It's why I made a horrible politician when I was one, because I really, I just didn't play the BS games. I just voted on my, I just voted my principles and that's where you go. 
So I don't know. We're going to have to see how this all runs up between Bjorkman and uh, Ruffridge. It's going to be an interesting. It's going to be an interesting election season next year, when uh, when this all this stuff comes back around. It's going to be interesting to see what was uh, what's going on there. Um, all right, what else do we got to talk about here? We've only got a couple more minutes. I did. I I, I saw this other story too. Um, this is from the Center Square. Uh, as reprinted in um, in must read, and first of all, let me just say this: I don't want to, I, I don't want to come off like I am um, anti electric vehicle. I'm not. If you want to buy an EV, good for you. I'm excited for you to be able to get exactly what you want. That is exciting to me. What's not exciting to me about the EV revolution? is the fact that everybody is going to government and looking to Uncle Sugar to build out all the infrastructure for EVs, right? They're not looking. I mean, when when cars hit the road and, and all this, gas stations popped. Nobody was looking to the government to put up gas stations to feed the cars. Nobody's ever looked at gas stations, at the government, to, to put up gas stations and feed all the That was just not their thing. But now with this, these EVs, it's like it's always government's responsibility to put these stations in and do all this other kind of stuff and build the infrastructure. And it's not a small amount of infrastructure. There's an article here talking about Washington State. Washington State is the fourth large, the fourth most populous state uh, in terms of EVs. It has the most EVs, the fourth, fourth most EVs in the country. And now they're saying that to hit their goal of uh, ending the sale of all gas vehicles by 2035, they're saying that the state will need to have 3 million charging stations by 2035, just 10 years. That means that they would need to build 250,000 of them a year. And last year, they built 460. No, 2021, they built 460. There are only about 4,500 in the state right now. But they need to have three. And who are they looking to for this? By the way, the amount of money? Oof. Oof. We're talking about the price tag would be between 3 and $18 billion, depending on the type of charging port, whether they're fast chargers or slow chargers. 3 to $18 billion. And they're looking to the government. To provide all, again, I didn't see the government building out a bunch of Tesoro stations or a bunch of Texaco stations. That's a private industry thing. Why are we looking to the government for building out all this infrastructure? If there's, if, if, if there's, a, if there's a demand, there will be a supply. That's what bothers me. I don't care if you want to get an EV. I'm happy with you on that. They are. They're beautiful. They're quiet. They're sexy. I mean, they do a lot of different things. But why should we be paying for all that stuff? We, the public, be paying for all that infrastructure? That's that's my question. I got to know. All right. Um, we got to jump back. Uh, we're going to uh, get into it. Uh, the Michael Luke Show continues. Chris Story is coming up next. We will be back with more. The Michael Luke Show, Common Sense Radio.
If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Um, first, I guess before we do anything else, let me get uh, let me get Chris on the phone so that uh, we're not rushing at the end of the end of the deal to make that happen. Huh? We need to make sure we get Chris on the telephony, and we'll get. Uh, okay, we got uh, some sound there. Let's get Chris Story on the phone right now. See what he has to say, and then I'll go through some of the comments here. Um. Hello. 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 There we are. The telephony works. A telephony, telephony. That's what they call it. Telephony. Um, it's that's actually a word. Go believe it or not. Uh, anyway, uh, that, that's your word of the day calendar for you today, Mister Story. Uh, good morning. Are you ready to do uh, backyard basics with us? Yes, sir. Indeedy. Okay. Uh, indeedy, also a word uh, today. Your second word of the calendar, mm-hmm. word of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Uh, hold the line, my friend. I'm going to be right back to you. Let me get over to the uh, comments. I see that uh, we got some comments on Twitch as well this morning. Um, uh, let me see. Willie, let me go. I'm scrolling up back here. Uh, Ruffridge was a huge supporter of the drag queens. Uh, Ruffridge and Bjorkman are two of a kind. He's a school teacher. Uh, uh, Terry says he won't come back. Uh, but Jeannie said he filled my script for Ivermexi- Ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. So I don't know. Um, Repulsy, I did not vote for him. I voted for Ron. Um, um, no idea how anyone is still a Republican. I don't know. This is Crimson over on Twitch. What does Crimson say? Oh, this thing is so freaking slow the last couple of days. I don't know what's going on with this. But whatever it is, it makes it – I can't hardly even show any of the comments because the damn thing is just dragging. No idea. I can't even show the comment. Anyway, this is from Crimson over on Twitch. No idea how anyone is still a Republican when a building with minimal structural damage and small office fire falls into its own. Fr- oh, he's talking about 9-11. Is health care a national concern? Is national defense a concern? Is getting off the petrodollar a national concern? Well, I don't know what. I don't know what Crimson was talking about there. I apologize, Crimson. Sometimes going back after the comments, I'm not exactly sure what you're commenting on. Scott says they can't make enough electricity right now. How are they supposed to support all those charging stations? Yes, that's a question. And then who should pay for all the charging stations? And Jeannie makes a good point. Uh, Hydrogen, uh, Toyota just put out a hydrogen car. And Elon Musk is looking at it as well. And they're talking about creating hydrogen engines for mass production. And uh, that would be probably a lot. These batteries for these cars and the batteries and the and all the infrastructure that you have to create for all this other stuff. Whereas if you get a hydrogen car, do you just have to put water in it? Or is it hydrogen directly or what? I mean, anyway, hydrogen's pretty renewable at this point, right? <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I think I'll be watching what's going on with the hydrogen uh, versus, uh, versus uh, uh, you know, getting into the EV. But if you want to buy one, I've got no problem with it. 
Um, Bill says he'd like to speak to me about my EV's extended warranty. <laughs> I'd like to, hello, I'd like to talk to you about your extended warranty. Oh, my God. Um, uh, Mama and twins in my driveway. I'm stuck in my van, says Jay. Oh, Jay is, or Jay must be waiting. Uh, Jerrica must be waiting for the Chris Story segment. Everybody is waiting for the Chris Story segment. Are you kidding me? That's what people live for. They live to have Chris come in and give them that, uh, that uplift, that beautiful, beautiful uplift. That's what they, that's what they like. That's what they love. Okay, um, we're about 90 seconds out right now. Um, I'm just looking to see if I missed any other comments other than the bacon pancakes. Amy says, I had chocolate chip pancakes and bacon for dinner last night. I like having breakfast for dinner. You know, there's nothing wrong with breakfast for dinner. I mean, we used to do that. We haven't done it in quite a while, but we used to do that occasionally. I mean, my favorite weekend thing is either I do a big, Terry does a big pan of bacon and then I mash up avocados and we have avocados on toast with bacon. Uh, Or she makes me her little secret egg McMuffin type sandwich with the folded farm fresh eggs and cheese, a little sausage inside there, some uh, little durkies red hot in the eggs when you're making the eggs, gives it a little spice, you know, and I mean, that's delicious. That's that's my favorite weekend thing. Absolutely my favorite weekend thing. Um, all right. Boy, everybody. Twitch is so salty this morning. The first previous comment on Twitch was Caribou Barbie, a.k.a. your ex-governor, has had major angioplasty. Okay. And? Who care? I mean, great. If somebody wants to, you know, remodel their face, go for it. I mean, okay. Like it's a big deal, I guess. I mean, oof. Um, all right. Evie. All right. We got to go. Here we go. All right, welcome back to the program. The Michael Duke Show continues. Chris Story, the man from Homer, joins us uh, every week to talk about positivity and life coaching and PMA, how to get your mind right, how to expand your mind. Now, normally he's at the bottom of the hour, but we moved him now to the end of the show so we can always leave on a positive note because I always find it weird and awkward to... Get all positive and then getting all ramped up again in the last segment. It just got weird. So uh, Chris has been kind enough to move his segment down to the last thing, and we're gonna get the. It's gonna be. It's gonna be called the last word, or maybe we'll call it the end of the story with Chris Story. I don't know. We'll find something catchy. Good morning, my friend. How are you? Good morning, Michael. I'm still on top of the world, just 15 minutes later. I know. See, exactly. It works out well. Today, you're going to give us some backyard basics. Let's talk about backyard. Uh, let's talk about backyard basics. What do you? What are we? What are we diving into today? Well, I was incredibly inspired, like millions of other people, by Russell Conwell's essay, which was a speech turned into an essay, turned into a book called Acres of Diamonds, and essentially, in a nutshell. 
this guy sells his entire life away, gives his family off to a neighbor to watch while he goes out in search of diamonds all around the world and ends up dying alone and penniless and just a complete loser. And wow, back home at the farm that he sold for practically nothing is the largest diamond find in the world. And crown jewels are made from the diamonds found in this guy's own backyard. Had he only, but dog, had he only taken a look to try to make a life where he is with what he had. And he gave it all away in search of something better and greater always somewhere else always <laughs> looking into the other right. distant land to find what he wanted the so grass was always I, greener somewhere else right i mean that's what it is yes exactly and so that kind of was a bit of what went into my book the backyard millionaire and so it just got me to thinking though because i wanted to give russell conwell full credit this thought was planted by him that there's got to be some basics in your own backyard like we came up with um, 16 years ago when I went on the air, my first tagline was you really can make a million bucks in your own backyard because it's true. So that's the first backyard basic. You can make a million bucks where you are with what you've got. If you want it, doesn't always hit everybody's ear the same. Sometimes you're like, well, why would I want it? I don't want that. I want, a, I want a different kind of life and that's fine, but you just need to accept. I want you to accept anyway that you could, you may not want to, but you can, you can do it right here where you are you don't have to move you don't the great the internet is a great equalizer it's a great democratization of scale and opportunity but even prior to the internet opportunities were right here at your feet wherever you are look right down right there yeah right, right, right there. there that's right. where the opportunity is that's right just look down and pay attention so to that's what's your going first, around. yeah so that's the first backyard basic yeah you could make a million you could find your fortune where you are we'll put it that way the second backyard basic is that you can make a difference where you are probably the biggest difference in the world you can make isn't in some far off district of columbia isn't in your even your state capital unless that's where you are right now but right here you can make a big difference right here in one person's life or a hand like for example this afternoon i'll be interviewing heath smith running for borough assembly He's trying to make a difference right here. He's trying to make a difference in the peninsula. He's bringing his ethics and his honesty and his reputation and donating his time to make a difference right here in his own backyard. You, and you maybe don't want to run for office. Maybe you want to do something on a different kind of scale or more in the private sector. It doesn't matter. This is where you can make a difference. Even if it's just in the life of the people around you, you can make a positive, impactful difference right here if you're willing if you're willing to, as you just said, pay attention, kind of open your eyes, look around, find the need and fill it. You can make a difference. I like it. I like it. So you can make a million bucks in your own backyard and you can look around and find a need and fill a need. I think somebody, one of my early mentors was, that was one of his favorite sayings. He was like, and you'll hear me say it occasionally. He's like, you want to succeed, find a need, fill a need. It's as simple as that. Find a need, fill a need. Go out there, look for it. What do people want? If you can provide it, you can be successful. That's, that's, I mean, it's why I ended up, I think, in radio because I felt like people wanted a voice that kind of resonated with them and made things kind of, you know, simple and took complex issues and broke it down in a basic way. And I thought people wanted that. And turns out it, they do in a way. So that was a find a need, fill a need thing. But it could be widgets. It could be real estate. It could be hot rods. It could be whatever it is. You find that need, you fill that need. 
Exactly. So you can either make your fortune in your own backyard, you can make a difference in your own backyard, and you can make a living. And why I differentiate between making a living and making a fortune is there's nothing wrong with making a living. And that's what some people simply want. I just want to make a living right where I am with what I've got. When I used to be in the pottery business, my wife and I would travel all around the state. In fact, we, we supplied pottery to eight states, uh, about 75, any given time, we we're supplying 75 to 80 gift shops in seven or eight states, mainly Northwest and Midwest and Alaska. And um, we would hear anybody who knew of Homer, so specifically around Alaska, we'd be doing these shows, and people would say, ah, oh, I'd love, God, I'd love to live in Homer if I, I, I could just make a living there. I just can't make a living there. I said, I am. <laughs> you can, yes, you can. 10,000 of us do. Yes, you can. You can make a living where you are with what you've got. You get to define what that living looks like. Again, it doesn't have to be a fortune. Right. It could be like my friend is getting ready to open an office in Dubai. Uh, with a business he started in his own backyard maybe you don't want that maybe you don't want that you want to just make a living you can you can make a good living right where you are you don't have to move can i sidebar for just a second here because i think you just hit on something very very important people say oh i I would go there if i could just make a living and even i've been guilty of saying that you know being able to say i want yeah i have to but the problem is are we just thinking about it in the the black and white, the expected, the expected mode of, well, we've got to get a job or are we looking at it with an entrepreneur's mind to say, how can we make this work for us? And how can we think outside the box? Sure. There's probably not a lot of jobs paying what you're making in Anchorage down in, in, in Homer, but is there a need that you can find down there that will generate the same thing in a different way? We're so stuck in our, you know, we're stuck in these patterns of, oh, we've got to get a, a real, a career or a job or work for somebody, do those things. We're not not willing to think and put a you know put a bet on ourselves that we can actually do you know do something different and do something better. And Wallace D. Wiles would agree with you. And in 1911, he admonished anybody that would say something like, "Oh, I can't, I can't succeed where I am." He said, "If there's one person in your town, in your locale, in your area doing what it is you want to do and succeeding, then that." excuse needs to be washed away there's no excuses if one person is doing it that's the proof and he also had this idea that that getting rich was a science that having wealth and abundance in your life was a science which implies a formula and the formula was so simple it, it almost isn't taken seriously what you think about you bring about poverty prosperity right. yep. what do you think about what do you focus on what do you focus so on so the final backyard basic is you can make a life where you are, what you got, you can make a good life. You can live, quote unquote, the good life right where you are. It doesn't matter what's happening in right. your state. You could be in the highest tax region of California. You don't have to like it, but you can still make a good life right there where you are. Right. No, I mean, I think this is all, we're always looking for the grass is greener on the other side. You know, like you said, acres of diamonds. We're always looking somewhere else for the ultimate solution, but we could be doing well right here. We just have to look at it with new eyes. That's, I I think that's the thing. I'm always trying to figure out how do I look at this with new eyes? And, uh, and I, I think you, you hit it. So we got about two minutes here, Chris recap real quick. The, the 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 three or four things you just said, just so people, if they're writing it down at home, they can hear it. If they're listening on the podcast, they can write it down. The four things for Backyard Basics are? You can make a million bucks in your own backyard, i.e. your fortune. 
you can make a difference where you are, right where you are. You can make a living. You can find a living. You can have enough where you are, and you can make the good life right where you are. And think about Napoleon Hill's quote about with every adversity comes with it the seed of an equivalent or greater benefit. So you're having an adverse time. Maybe your state, your local economy, your company, your business, your industry is having an adverse time. Fantastic, because with it comes the seed of an equivalent or greater benefit. Your job is to find the benefit. Yeah. Again, look with new eyes, find a need, fill a need, look for, have an expectation of abundance, have an expectation of excellence, have an expectation of success. What you, you know, what you think is what you are as a man thinketh. So is he kind of thing. Don't focus on the negative, focus on the positive and look at all those things with new eyes and figure out how to do it in your backyard. 60 seconds, Chris story. I give you the final word for today. Uh, your thoughts. Don't forget, the state of Alaska is taking half of your permanent fund. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just wanted to kind of put a bow on this whole thing. Oh. You want to end on a positive note. Ooh. There you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Don't forget, you can find Chris's stuff at ilovehomeralaska.com. His books, including The Backyard Millionaire, Born to Live, plus his fictional books, The Making of Man series, including his latest, The Watchman, which is also available on Audible. And it's awesome. Yes. Because Chris wrote it, and then I read it. But Chris wrote it, and you can't you can't get a good performance out of junk. Uh, so you should go check it out. Uh, you could buy it right now on Audible.com, and Chris has got links up on his website and stuff. Chris Story, thanks, my friend. I love that. Now I feel good. I get to go out and face the world. I love it. Thank you for being part of it. My pleasure, Michael. Hold, hold Thank the, you. Hold the line for one second, folks. Uh, we're going to be back tomorrow. I think we're going to have Mike Shower also working on uh, Nick Beggage as well this week. Uh, we will see what we will see. Thanks for coming in and joining us. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Back with more tomorrow. Okay, um, we're wrapping things up uh, here this morning. Uh, Chris Story, uh, I just wanted to give him uh, one. Whoops, I I had to. Dang it! I broke. I broke. I broke the internet. I broke the thing. There we go. Um, all right, uh, Chris Story. Final thoughts here. Anything else uh, you want to say before we let you go? Uh, I will always love to give you the final bite at the apple, sir. Well, thank you. Yeah, just basically, I don't think you can accept these four premises and not come out an optimist. I mean, it's counterintuitive to think because it gives you complete control. And I think once you realize, oh, I have complete control, not over the things that happen around me or the events that happen around me, but my reaction to them, then you get to control your outcome, if not the outcome of your area, your state, your, your union, but your outcome is completely impacted by what you do, what you think, and how you go about doing both those things. So that I just like putting the power back into our own hands such that we can feel and actually not just feel, but actually have the good life because it's accessible to everybody. And I think that there's uh, a group of us, and, and I'm guilty of it from time to time, that feel a little bit like everything's spinning out of control. Ain't nothing that isn't on fire right now. It's, <laughs> right. it's a double negative. Everything's on fire. Everything. Everything. The world's yeah. burning. Yeah. I can't do anything about it. 
No, and I think you're right. I mean, and and I mean that's why I've kind of pulled away from a lot of the national stuff because I feel like I can't I can't affect it. But what can I affect? I can affect my own backyard. I can find a need, fill yes. a need. I can make a difference in my city council or maybe my borough or whatever. Those are all great things. I mean, you know, you you got to be you got to be cognizant of that. So maybe focus a little bit closer to home instead of placing your eyes on the horizon on all the things that you really can't control, right? Yep. You got it. Exactly. The backyard's where it's at. Start where you are with what you've got. I love it. I love it. The Backyard Millionaire uh, is his book, of course, also on Audible, read by some guy. And uh, I I appreciate that. Some, some good stuff. Chris Story, thank you, my friend. As always, good to hear from you. We will talk to you uh, next week. Okay, I look forward to it. I look forward to hearing uh, Mike Showers tomorrow. All right. Thank you so much, my friend. Good to hear from you. Uh, All right, folks. We are out of time. Yeah, I don't know what happened. uh, Something is busted around here this morning. Uh, Having some real issues with with the browser. I lost the audio and some other stuff. Uh, But we'll... We'll, we'll see if we can fix that and figure it out uh, for later. Thanks for coming in and joining us. We will see you guys uh, tomorrow. You can have a great day today. I, I guarantee it. Go out, enjoy yourselves, and be kind, love one another, and live well. We'll see you then. terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show